Chapter Eight of Master of the Vineyard by Myrtle Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Whom God hath joined. Breakfast had been cleared away, and Alden, with evident regret, had gone to school. Madame gave her orders for the day, attended to a bit of dusting which she would trust no one else to do, gathered up the weekly mending, and came into the living room where the guests sat idly robed in a gorgeous negligee of sea-green crape which was fully as becoming as her dinner-gown had been the night before madame had observed that mrs lee was one of the rarely fortunate women who look as well in the morning as in the evening last night in the glow of the pink shaded candles she had been beautiful and this morning she was no less lovely though she sat in direct sunlight that made a halo of her hair the thick creamy skin a direct legacy from louise lane needed neither powder nor rouge and the scarlet lips asked for no touch of carmine but the big brown eyes were wistful beyond words the dark hollows beneath spoke of sleepless nights and the corners of the sweet mouth drooped continually in spite of valiant efforts to smile i think i should have known you anywhere madame began you look so much like your mother thank you it was dear of you to put her picture on my dressing-table it seemed like a welcome from her madame asked a few questions about her old schoolmate receiving monosyllabic answers then waited the silence was not awkward but of that intimate sort which with women precedes confidences i suppose you wonder why i came the younger woman said after a long pause no madame replied gently for you told me in your note that you were troubled and thought i could help you i don't know why i should have thought of you especially though i have never forgotten what mother told me about coming to you if i were in trouble but two or three days ago it came to me all at once that i was wandering in a maze of darkness and that you could show me the way out i hope i may the old lady murmured i shall be very glad to if i can what has gone wrong everything she returned her brown eyes filling with mist of course it's my husband it always is isn't it i don't know why it should be is he cruel to you no that is he doesn't beat me or anything of that sort he isn't coarse but there's a refined sort of cruelty that hurts worse i-i couldn't bear it any longer and so i came away was he willing for you to come i didn't ask him i just came madame's glasses dropped from her aristocratic nose in astonishment why my dear mrs lee how could you edith please if you will she answered wiping her eyes then she laughed bitterly don't be kind to me for i'm not used to it and it weakens my armour of self-defence tell me i'm horrid and have done with it poor child breathed madame poor dear child for a few moments the young woman bit her lips keeping back the tears by evident effort then having gained her self-control she went on i'm twenty-eight now she said i remember mother used to say she always had her suspicions of a woman who was willing to tell the truth about her age sounds just like her commented madame taking up a dainty lavender silk stocking that had run down from the hem i've been married six years but it seems like twenty almost from the first there has been friction between us but nobody knows it except you unless he's told his friends and i don't think he'd do that we've both had a preference for doing the family laundry work on the premises what 
queried madame missing the allusion not washing our soiled linen in public edith explained while i live with my husband as his wife we stand together before the world as far as it is in my power to manage it i do not intentionally criticise him to any one nor permit any one to criticise him i endeavour to look ahead protect him against his own weakness or folly and as far as a woman's tact and thought may do shield him from the consequences of his own mistakes i lie for him whenever necessary or even advisable i have tried to be for six years shelter strength comfort courage and she concluded bitterly i've failed how so we live in the same house but alien and apart we talk at the table as two strangers might in a crowded restaurant or hotel that is when he's there i dare not ask people to dinner for i never know whether he's coming or not he might promise faithfully to come and then appear at midnight without apology or excuse he supports you suggested madame glancing at the sea-green crepe yes of course that is the question of money hasn't arisen between us one way or another i have no children father and mother left me plenty of money and i don't mind using it in any way that seems advisable in fact if i had to i'd rather pay the household bills than beg for money as many a wife is compelled to do or for that matter even ask for it it isn't as if i had to earn it myself you know if i had to i'd probably feel differently about it but as it is money doesn't matter between us at all friends of mine she resumed have to resort to all sorts of subterfuges i know women who bribe the tradespeople to make their bills larger than they should be and give them the difference in cash i know men who seem to think they do their wives a favour by paying for the food they themselves eat and by paying their own laundry bills then every once in a while i see in some magazine an article written by a man who wonders why women prefer to work in shops and factories rather than to marry it must be better to get a pay envelope every saturday night without question or comment than it is to humiliate your immortal soul to the dust it arose from begging a man for money to pay for the dinner he ate last night or for the price of a new veil to cover up your last year's hat all this said madame threading her needle again is new to me i live so out of the world that i know very little of what is going on outside happy woman perhaps i should be happy also since this particular phase of the problem doesn't concern me money may not be your best friend but it's the quickest to act and seems to be favourably recognised in more places than most friends are for the size of it a cheque-book is about the greatest convenience i know of the brown eyes were cold now and their soft lights had become a glitter the scarlet mouth was no longer sweet and womanly but set into a hard tight line colour burned in her cheeks not a delicate flush but the crimson of defiance of daring she was as she sat there a living challenge to fate is he happy queried madame i suppose so his ideal of a wife seems to be one who shall arrange and order his house look after his clothing provide for his material comfort be there when he comes sit at the head of his table dressed in her best when he deigns to honour dinner with his presence ask no questions as to his comings or goings keep still if he prefers to read either the morning or evening paper while he eats and to refrain from annoying him by being ill or at least by speaking of illness 
i saw once a huge cocoa husk doormat with the word welcome on it in big red letters i've been sorry ever since that i didn't buy it for it typified me so precisely it would be nice wouldn't it to have at your front door something that exactly indicated the person inside like the overture to a wagner opera using all the themes and motifs that were coming that's what i've been for six years but if a worm will turn why not a wife if you'll excuse me for saying so madame answered in a tone of quiet rebuke i don't think it was quite right to come away without letting him know you were coming why not he'll wonder where you are i've had plenty of opportunity to wonder where he was but what will he think when he finds out you have gone he may not have noticed it i have competent servants and they'll look after him as well or better than i do if i had left a wax figure in the library in one of my gowns with its back to the door and its head bent over a book i could have been well on my way to china before i was missed or rather that i was among those not present if he has found it out it has been by the application of the same inductive methods by which i discover that he's not coming home to dinner do you love him in the answer to that question lay madame's solution of all difficulties past and to come to her it was the divine reagent of all life's complicated chemistry the swift turning of the prism with ragged edges breaking the light into the colours of the spectrum to a point where refraction was impossible i did edith sighed but marriage is a great strain upon love the silvery cadence of madame's laughter rang through the house and echoed along the corridor as though in answer the clock struck ten the canary sang happily and a rival melody came from the kitchen in cracked soprano mercifully muted by distance and two closed doors see what you've started edith said it's like the poem where the magic kiss woke the princess and set all the clocks to going and the little dogs to barking outside don't let me talk you to death i've been chattering for considerably over an hour and very selfishly of my own affairs to the exclusion of everything else but your affairs interest me extremely i wish i knew of some way to help you in the last analysis of course it comes to this either go on and make the best of it or quit not not divorce breathed madame her violet eyes were wide with horror no edith answered shortly not divorce separation possibly but not divorce which is only a legal form permitting one to marry again personally i feel bound by the solemn oath i took at the altar until death do us part and forsaking all others keep thee only unto me so long as we both shall live all the laws in the country couldn't make me feel right with my own conscience if i violated that oath if the marriage service were changed madame said nodding her approval it might be justified if one said at the altar until death or divorce do us part or until i see someone else i like better there'd be reason for it but as it is there isn't and again it says those whom god hath joined let no man put asunder those whom god hath joined no man can put asunder edith retorted but did god do it it doesn't seem right to blame him for all the pitiful mistakes that masquerade as marriage mother used to say she resumed after a little that when you're more miserable without a man than you think you ever could be with him it's time to marry him and when you're more miserable with him than you think you ever could be without him it's time to quit 
and suggested madame in which class do you belong both i think that is i'm miserable enough to belong to both i'm unhappy when he's with me and wretched when he isn't as he mostly isn't i'm more wretched than unhappy in the small circle in which i move i'm considered a very fortunate woman women who are compelled to be mendicants and who do not know that i have a private income envy me my gowns and hats my ability to ask a friend or two to luncheon if i choose and the unfailing comfort of a taxicab if i'm caught in the rain they think if they had my gowns and my grooming that they could win and keep love which seems to me about all a woman wants but these things are in reality as useless as painting the house when the thermometer is below zero and you need a fire inside to warm your hands by i have imported gowns and real lace and furs and jewels and all the grooming i'm willing to take but my soul is frozen and starved my house she went on isn't a mansion but it has all the comforts any one could reasonably require as far as my taste can discover it's artistic and even unusual the dinner my cook sends up every night is as good or better than any first-class hotel can serve though it may not be quite so elaborate i myself am not so bad to look at i am well dressed and never untidy i am disgustingly well which is fortunate for most men hate a sick woman if i have a headache i don't speak of it i neither nag nor fret nor scold and i even have a few parlor tricks which other people consider attractive for six years i have given generously and from a full heart everything he has seemed to require of me i have striven in every way to please him adapting myself to his tastes i've even been the sort of woman men call a good fellow admiringly among women and contemptuously among themselves and in return i have nothing not even the fairy gold that changes to withered leaves when you take it into the sunshine you seem to have a good deal dear youth and health and strength and sufficient income how many women would be glad to have what you have i want love cried edith piteously i want someone to care for me to be proud of me for what i am and the little things i can do if i painted a hideous dog on a helpless china plate i'd want someone to think it was pretty if i cooked a mess in the chafing dish or on the stove i'd want someone to think it was good just because i did it if i embroidered a red rose on a pink satin sofa cushion or painted a winter scene on a wooden snow shovel and hung it up in the parlor i'd want someone to think it was beautiful if i wrote a limerick i'd want someone to think it was clever i want appreciation consideration sympathy affection i'm starving for love i'm dying for it and i'd go across the desert on my knees for the man who could give it to me perhaps he cares said madame consolingly and doesn't show it you can tell by the way a man kisses you whether he cares or not if he doesn't kiss you at all he doesn't care and doesn't even mind your knowing it if he kisses you dutifully without a trace of feeling and by preference on your cheek or neck he doesn't care but thinks he ought to and hopes you won't find out that he doesn't but if he cares ah how it thrills you if he cares madame's violet eyes grew dim i know she said brokenly for i had it all once long ago 
people used to say that marriage changes love but with us it only grew and strengthened the beginning was no more the fullness of love than an acorn is the oak tree which springs from it we had our trials our differences and our various difficulties but they meant nothing i've had almost all the experiences of life she continued clearing her throat the endless cycle of birth and death has passed on its way through me i've known poverty defeat humiliation doubt grief discouragement despair i've had illness and death i've borne children only to lose them again i've worked hard and many times i've had to work alone but i've had love though all i have left of it is a sunken grave and i answered edith have had everything else but love believe me i'd take all you've had even the grave if i could have it once it may come said madame hopefully edith shook her head that's what i'm afraid of how so why be afraid you see she explained i'm young yet and i'm not so desperately unattractive as my matrimonial experiences might lead one to believe i haven't known there was another man on earth except my husband but his persistent neglect has made me open my eyes a little and i begin to see others on a far horizon red blood has a way of answering to red blood whether there are barriers between or not and if i loved another man and he were unscrupulous but objected the older woman you couldn't love an unscrupulous man couldn't i my dear when i see the pitiful specimens of manhood that women love the things they give the sacrifices they make the neglect and desertions they suffer from the countless humiliations they strive to bear proudly i wonder that any one of us dares to look in the mirror it's the eternal woman hunger for love that makes us what we are compels us to endure what we do and keeps us all doormats with welcome printed on us in red letters eagerly trustful we keep on buying tickets to the circus and never discover until we're old and grey that it's always exactly the same entertainment and we're admitted to it each time by a different door sometimes we see the caged wild animals first and again we arrive at the pink lemonade stand or up at the other end where the trapezes are or in the middle opposite the tank sometimes the band plays and sometimes it doesn't but all you need in order to be thoroughly disillusioned is to stay to the concert which bears about the same relation to the circus that marriage does to your anticipations are you afraid laughed madame that you'll buy another ticket no but i'll find it or somebody will give me a pass i'm too young to stay to the concert and there's more of life coming to me still i only hope and pray that i'll manage to keep my head and not make the fatal heart-breaking mistake of the women who go over the precipice waving defiance at the social law that bids them stay with the herd your metaphors are mixed madame commented concerts and circuses and herds and precipices and doormats i feel as though you had presented me with a jigsaw puzzle so i have is my life anything more than that i don't even know that all the pieces are there if they would only print the picture on the cover of the box or tell us how many pieces there are and give us more than one or two at a time 
and eternity to solve it in we'd stand some chance perhaps more mixed metaphors madame said rolling up the mended stockings a maid came into the dining-room and began to set the table for luncheon edith rose from her chair and came to madame the dark hollows under her eyes were evident now and all the youth was gone from her face and figure well she said in a low tone what am i to do it was some little time before madame answered i do not know these modern times are too confused for me the old way would have been to wait to do the best one could and trust god to make it right in his own good time edith shook her head i've waited and i've done the best i could and i've tried to trust no one can solve a problem for another but i think when it's time to act one knows what to do and the way is clearly open for one to do it don't you feel better for having come here and talked to me yes indeed said the young woman gratefully so much was right i'm sure of that the train had scarcely started before i felt more at peace than i had for years then dear won't you stay with me until you know just what to do edith looked long and earnestly into the sweet old face do you mean it it may be a long time i mean it no matter how long it is quick tears sprang to the brown eyes and edith brushed them aside half ashamed it means more trunks she said and your son we'll be delighted to have you with us madame concluded are you sure absolutely madame was not at all sure but she told her lie prettily then said edith with a smile i'll stay End of chapter eight